any kid will tell you, if you're being bullied, you're being cyberbullied. It's all part and parcel from it. It can be from a phone in the locker room. It can be from the computer at home. But the fact of the matter is we have 160,000 kids every day who stay home from school because they're afraid of what's going to happen. This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from nearby Boston, Massachusetts, and my co-host Jay Craig Williams uh, is joining us today from San Francisco. He will be joining us in just a moment. Uh, We'd like to thank our sponsors for today's program, SunTrust, which offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and law firms at suntrust.com slash law. And Clio, the web-based practice management solution, which is available at goclio.com. Well, when we think of bullying uh, in the traditional sense, we tend to think about the big kid on the block pushing around the smaller kid on on the playground or the hallways at school. But bullying these days has gone way beyond the schoolyard and has come into our homes and, uh, and pretty much everywhere else our children are. Not only does bullying, of course, still exist in the hallways of schools, but it's expanded by way of the internet through through social networking sites, email, texting, uh, and, uh, and everywhere else. Just recently, here in Massachusetts, a 15-year-old student, Phoebe Prince from South Hadley, Massachusetts, took her own life after she was being constantly cyber-bullied by a group of students at her school. This incident is one of many that has left communities reeling all across the country, schools in a hot seat and parents enraged by the lack of protection for their children, lack of uh, discipline against uh, some of the perpetrators. So today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we're going to talk about cyberbullying, talk about laws and legislation against cyberbullying, and what to do if your child becomes a victim of cyberbullying. Well, Bob, our first guest to do that today is David Tyrella. He's a partner at the firm of Eaton, Powell & Tyrella. In addition to his legal work, David is also a consumer and a child advocate. His work on behalf of Jeffrey Johnston's Stand Up for All Students Act, which is an anti-bullying act for all public schools in Florida, included national media coverage. Part of Jeffrey's law prohibits cyberbullying and requires schools to mandate counseling for bullies and victims. If schools don't comply, they could lose portions of their state funding. His work helped push the bill through both the Senate and the House of Representatives, and Governor Charlie Crist signed the bill into law in June 2008. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, David Tyrella. Thanks, guys. I appreciate being here. And our next guest today is Deborah Johnston. Uh, Deborah is founder of Students for Safer Schools, an advocacy group for young people, and is a certified presenter for the Bully Safe Curriculum. She is the Bully Police Florida co-director, if I have that right. It has been a speaker at several statewide conferences on the topic. 
Deborah's son Jeffrey committed suicide in 2005 after being the victim of bullying by a classmate. Debbie brings her son's story to students across the state in school assemblies, and she herself is a teacher. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Debbie Johnston. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, perhaps we could just start by talking about uh, defining what we're talking about here. Uh, and Debbie, perhaps you could tell us from your experience, what what is cyberbullying and how how would you define it? Cyberbullying is uh, this generation's variation on the same problem that has plagued school children, teachers, and parents uh, since time began. It is taking all the typical forms of abuse, uh, name-calling, rumors, uh, slam books, exclusion, isolation, uh, all of that, and uh, by adding technology, the bullies are able to expand their reach beyond just the people who are physically there at that moment in time, and it they can reach virtually anyone who has the access to the Internet, and very often, once it's posted, it's very hard to retract that. And uh, it's taken away those physical limitations, too. You um, Children who would never be a bully face-to-face um, because they would have to make that eye contact and see the reaction for what they're doing, uh, they can go in that darkened room in front of that computer screen and be as that as they want to because there aren't those social cues there that are telling them where to draw the line. Well, David, you've been involved in getting this into legislation. Give us a little bit of background about what your motivation was to move this um, this bill into place. Well, you know, I uh, have said for a number of years I really am the uh, accidental advocate. Uh, I spent a decade suing doctors and nurses and hospitals and uh, and got into a case about four years ago where a student at a private school in Tampa was, in fact, bullied, not only by cyber, meaning very nasty and sexually explicit um, uh, emails, but also physically and and emotionally. And uh, I resisted taking the case, but it was so compelling that I started on this crusade. And once that case successfully resolved itself and received national attention two years ago, I literally, every week, get calls from across the country from parents, teachers, uh, experts, lawyers, uh, asking for help or seeing what uh, what has worked in my area of trying to help um, the victim in bullying. So I didn't set out. I was never bullied. I didn't say at some point in law school, aha, I want to one day be this student advocate. I, you know, reluctantly got into this issue, and I cannot seem to uh, escape it. Uh, I had a call yesterday again from a parent that is uh, very upset with the school system, that even with the new law in place in Florida, their child is still being bullied. So, you know, on the one hand, uh, I am in at full steam, and I've jumped into it, and I try to help, and I try to, through some counseling as well as filing a number of lawsuits a year, try to help victims and their families. 
but it's overwhelming. And, and to use some of the, the terms we use today, the cyberbullying is in fact gone viral. It's incredible how easy it is, as Debbie uh, describes, how easy it is um, to pick up some sort of technology and in fact become a bully. So, you know, I didn't seek it out. It fell in my lap. For a year or so, I tried not to handle any more of the cases and go back to suing, you know, healthcare providers. But for some strange reason, there is an epidemic of bullying, physical and emotional and cyber, going throughout the United States. And the victims are so helpless and so desperate for help, they're going online and finding individuals like Debbie and myself to try to give them some hope. So I really am the... Uh, the accidental advocate, but I hope at some point I'm able to help more victims and, in fact, to, in fact, help the bully. So the bully understands their behavior has to be changed, has to be stopped, so there will no longer be, you know, an elementary school bully, a high school bully, a university school bully, and then, in fact, what we see now, workplace bullies. So that's my, that's my goal is to try to help stop bullying, which... Um, which may never take place in my lifetime. Debbie, of course, you do have a personal story here. Could you could you share that with us? Well, I was actually a teacher in the middle school where the bullying took place, and uh, my son Jeff was uh, he was something of a teacher favorite. He was a popular, outgoing kid. Dave um, got along with everybody, and uh, one of the students in his class was. Uh, a bully of opportunity, a, a true serial bully who um, that was the behavior she used to feed some, to meet some inner need that he had. And uh, Jeff just became his target one day, um, just a crime of opportunity. And uh, we at the school did react. And we did, uh, we handled it in the way that uh, teachers and administrators have historically treated bullying, not realizing at the time that um, the way schools go about handling bullying not only does not stop it, it actually contributes to it and adds to the likelihood of post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, we There was no training for how to handle bullies. As a matter of fact, uh, that most of the things that uh, parents and teachers tell kids to do is exactly the wrong way to handle that. And um, so it went on for three years. Uh, when they went to high school, it stopped briefly for nine months. And then um, afterwards, apparently, it started up again, and Jeff couldn't take it, and, and he did commit suicide. We lost him. Very sorry to hear that. What what steps have you taken since then? And, and you've become quite an advocate as a consequence, isn't that right? I yes, uh, I went. Uh, I went to the people at my school. We we had actually uh, it was probably the best documented case of bullying our district's ever had, but there were no consequences for it. It was treated in the same way you treat a peer conflict, chewing gum or being tardy, uh, you know, it just wasn't seen as, an, as a real problem. 
Uh, I met with the detectives who were investigating uh, Jeff's death, and I turned over three years of evidence, including, you know, very um, compromising emails from where the bully had gone on for months documenting exactly what he was doing to Jeff and what the principals had told him and everything. And there was, the bullies never even denied it. It was never a question that he did it. It was just that it wasn't against the law at the time to do that. So, David, what is uh, Jeffrey's Law done in Florida? Tell us about the measure that's been enacted there. Well, you know, it's not signed, I believe, in May or June of 08. And uh, we've all had to collectively, that is the advocates, had to hold our breath really for the first 15 months. Because the first 15 months, that is the remainder of 08 and all of 09, it allowed all the school districts to get up to speed, to create their own panel, to bring in some experts, to have a written policy and procedure. So quite honestly, in my opinion, not a whole lot has happened in the first 15 months. Now, beginning January, uh, you know, last month of 2010, uh, now the clock really is ticking. So what happens now is that every time there's a report of some sort of bullying or aggression or some act of either cyber, emotional, or physical, the school uh, complaint is lodged, a written complaint, and there is an actual committee that must, within certain days, now there are some variances between districts, but implement a number of very powerful policies that is notifying the perpetrator's family and writing certified letters as well as the victims, requiring counseling for all sides, uh, bringing in law enforcement that required now to bring in law enforcement to make sure if it's a criminal aspect and follow up on that, to do all types of areas from suspension to forced counseling to expulsion. That's the powerful thing. Now, now, what we're excited about in Florida, and to the point, I think it's still the toughest anti-bullying, by the end of 010, when all of these data is sent to Tallahassee, if, in fact, these school districts do not and did not uh, comply with their internal policy, that is, making all these benchmarks, investigating, resolving successfully on behalf of the victim, all these complaints, they stand to lose, in some cases, millions of dollars in the following year's school budget, what's called safe school fund. So we're excited now because, you know, it had teeth, but the teeth weren't allowed to bite until 2010. So I think in 2010 we're going to finally see the strength of this law, and that's why I'm excited now. And so I think it's going to be good. I think if someone complains today in the state of Florida that actual document will be generated, stamped in, time-sensitive, and it will go through the proper committees, and things will happen. So I'm excited that finally this law that Debbie worked for many, many years is finally going to now be flexed. So that's why we think 010 is going to be the first real year of the anti-bullying law in Florida. When a student gets involved with cyberbullying, um and I don't mean to take the devil's advocate side of this, but it raises the question of why is there a school involved uh, as opposed to um, just a civil situation between two individuals who are engaged in the cyberbullying? Well, let me let me take that, Debbie, if you don't mind for a minute. Okay. 
the, uh, the the law is very clear in Florida that there has to be some connection. That is, it's uh, the technology or the the insult took place on school property or using, in fact, school property, meaning not only the land but actually using their website or using their software or using their computer, or somehow the the cyber insult goes through their system through the mainframe. So. You know, you're right. If uh, if someone is cyberbullying, you know, in New York on vacation that has nothing to do with their school in Fort Myers, uh, then I think you're right. I think it's a more difficult uh, argument. But but this law is when you know they're on a school bus cyber texting, if they're uh, at a football game, or if they're on the website, if they somehow take their insult and send it through, and it somehow gets through the school computer system then the Jeffrey Johnson Stand Up For All Students Act would, would apply. Dave, can I contradict you there? Because that actually that's the case with uh, uh, many of the state's laws, and that's one of the problems with them that, uh, that we tackled was that very issue, um, because bullies do not use school software to bully each other, but... Um, there's no doubt that it has an impact on what happens in the school classroom, and that's where we went beyond that. Um, there was a case, um, the, the famous Tinker version, where free speech, uh, the school can abridge our students' right to free speech if it interferes with another student's right to learn of the operation of the school. And as the kids will tell you nowadays, they, they don't, these kids have grown up, we're the, we're the immigrants to technology, uh, but they're the natives, they've, they've grown up with it. Uh, any kid will tell you, if you're being bullied, you're being cyberbullied. It's all part and parcel from it. It can be from a phone in the locker room. It can be from the computer at home. But the fact of the matter is we have 160,000 kids every day who stay home from school because they're afraid of what's going to happen. And that has a tremendous impact on the ability of schools to function and do their job, which is to teach young people. No child should have to come and sit in a classroom in fear of attack or public humiliation or ridicule. And so uh, it's written into Jeff's law that uh, if a student uh, uses a technology for the sole purpose of hurting, harassing, humiliating, dehumanizing another student, then the time and place they did it cannot be used as a defense. And um, to go back to your previous question, um, you know, one of the reasons you're not seeing, we did have to go through this period of getting the models and the rules set up, but those same safe school dollars that we used to put the teeth in the law we're part of what was splashed in the funding, and the very people who were meant to carry out the training and how for teachers and administrators and people on how to implement the law were the positions that were cut. Um, student services 
and school safety programs were decimated by the cuts. Um, we didn't have to take them away from Jeff's law. The economy took them away. And the hard fact is, is their, you know, teachers and administrators and districts, they want to get started on this and they want to understand and they want to get the programs in there, but they're not, there's no funding for it. Uh, we we're, we have districts where they can't fund music, art, football, you know, and uh, it seems like safety should be the top priority, but because it's not tested um, and because there are no federal, you know, those, that, that funding to its and flash, the truth of the matter is, is there, there are not enough trainers. There is not um, a whole lot of learning going on. There, there are not programs being put in place because of, of the state of the economy. David and Debbie, we need to take a short break right now, but uh, stay with us and we will be right back to continue this discussion about cyberbullying and, and how the law can respond. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Sign up for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount. Coming soon, you can listen to Legal Talk Network shows and get CLE credit at West Legal Ed Center. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're back with David Tyrella, partner in the firm Eaton Powell and Tyrella, and Deborah Johnston, founder of Students for Safer Schools. David, one of the things that comes up is what responsibility parents have for monitoring their child who's cyberbullying. In California, a parent would be liable uh, until the child's 18 for um, acts of criminal nature. And how does that? How does um, this new law play into that? Yeah, it's it's the same thing in Florida. Um, if, uh, in fact, a child, uh, there are two aspects. If the child is doing criminal involvement and there's no way the parent ever would have known, then, uh, you know, then you obviously have juvenile court for the child and no problem for the parent. However, you know, if there is an issue where the child truly uh, is known to be a criminal and, in fact, the parent is somehow encouraging it, then the parent may have their own criminal liability with uh, uh, negligent and danger or endangerment of uh, children or child abuse. There are certain aspects in Florida that you could, uh, criminal, that you could use 
for endangering a child. What I've tried to do civilly is uh, is obviously uh, get to the parent. So in my opinion, if the parent is the one that is not properly supervising the child and either in some positions see that there's nothing wrong, even though many individuals are saying the child is completely uh, out of hand and they're threatening physically and emotionally other children, then I do try to look at the parent in some way in a civil lawsuit to bring in. I mean, it's a straight negligence. You know, I mean, they have an ob- obligation to take care of support, provide for their child. But if they know, it's, it's all about notice. Did the parent know that this child was acting up in school? And so one of the cases we did sue on, and we looked at suing the parent directly. But at the end of the day, even the school said, to their negligence, they never notified the parent at all. So it goes to the notice. If the parent knows that the child is, in fact, a bully and traumatizing other individuals and not stopping it, then in Florida they have a civil liability. And if they're condoning this type of criminal behavior, there's a potential of the child being taken away, losing the parental rights, as well as uh, criminal endangerment. So there, there are many tools in the toolbox. That has never been the problem. The problem is, what I believe, it's the mindset. It's what Debbie is saying. Where's the priority? If, if parents and teachers still believe bullying, whether it's physical or cyberbullying, is just a rite of passage that makes one stronger, then we're never going to have the funding for it. Debbie, I know that I know that I know that Debbie has to leave in just a second, uh, and I wanted to just give her an opportunity. Uh, David, maybe you could stay with us for a, a few moments. But uh, Deborah, before you before you go, I wonder if you uh, wanted to kind of give your your closing thoughts on this, and also tell our listeners how they can follow up uh, with your organization and with you. Yeah, my students just came in, so they're going to be real quiet for us. Um, really, this is, um, you know, ideally with the law, the laws, the main point of that was to get uh, programs in place and, and to get training into the school and to make sure that we as educators know how to handle it, we know how to prevent it, and and we know how to stop the tragic losses of children that, that we've seen in in cases like Jeffrey and, and like poor Phoebe there in Massachusetts. Um, hopefully, we'll use that so that, that these cases aren't getting to court, so that, that we're intervening before it gets to the point of criminal and civil charges and everything, but the bullying really is the parents' problem, it's a school problem, it's a community problem, and uh, we need to address it as a community and uh, put, put to rest some of those myths that uh, it, it's a normal part of childhood. It's no more a normal part of childhood than being beaten as a part of marriage. It's abuse. Um, it's is crippling, both physical and emotional, and uh, it can end the life of a child. And um, we we really need to address that. Well, David, one of the things that we've discovered is that uh, 41 states in the District of Columbia have some have anti-bullying measures, and apparently 23 have statutes against cyberbullying. Uh, for example, Massachusetts is not one of those states. If uh, one of our listeners wants to get 
um, some information about this and then push for some cyberbullying laws in their state? How should they go about it? Well, they could obviously give me a call or email me. If you Google David Terrell or Eaton Powell and Terrell, uh, they could go on the website and look up Bully Police, which is a really good, informative website. It lists state by state, and it lists state directors, and it lists a way to reach very uh, supportive legislators throughout the state. So I would say uh, that would probably be the best thing. Or they could obviously just start writing either an email or a phoning campaign with their neighbors to their state or federal legislator and let them know this is something that's very, very important. And and if the legislator, I mean, that's how eventually we were successful. It had failed three years in a row. And, and then I was asked to come on and help, and it became very clear to me that it was being stopped by, in Florida, being stopped by one, a very powerful senator, stopping it in the committee. And to his credit, we had a very frank conversation and explained the realities and the changing tide of the uh, population and, and, and the anger against bullies. And then, to his credit, he acquiesced. And it allowed, and it got, you know, everyone voted for it. I don't think anyone voted against it when it came to the uh, House and Senate. So, you know, the point is, people say, well, what, how could one person, one neighbor, start a movement or, or help create a law? They can, because one legislator could kill it. So so I would say to anyone listening, if they are so moved to to help victims, past, present, and future, is to uh, just get on the computer and uh, start sending emails or letters or, or calling legislators and asking what is, what's their opinion on this bullying, whether state or federal, and then get with neighbors like we did. I was with an association. We sent out a mass email, and we had hundreds of neighbors emailing the state legislators to make sure they understood that uh, in Tampa there were thousands of individuals expecting them to do you know, the work to protect victims. So everyone can help. Every every vote's important and every phone call is important. And I would encourage them to do that. David, we're getting close to the end of the time for this uh, program. And uh, we did want to give you uh, an opportunity also to have your concluding thoughts on this uh, and also to let our listeners know more about how they can follow up with you and, and get more information on this subject. So why don't you uh, give us your concluding thoughts? Well, I tell you, uh, you know, I do a lot of these talks across the country and I'm always given the opportunity to say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, if you want to get more information out there or help other people, you know, I am of the opinion, I would be very happy if no one ever called me ever again that had a, uh, a family member or a loved one that was a victim of a bully. Um, when I got involved in this, some of my trial colleagues said to me, this is crazy. It's counterintuitive. You make a living by suing people. Why would you want to put in a law in place which, in fact, gives immunity from uh, not only the potentially the bully, but the school and other individuals who report it? So this Jeffrey Johnston is, in fact, it's like a tort reform. It goes counter to what I do. But the fact is, like Debbie said, I would rather not sue someone because by suing someone, I have a victim. So I put my time in helping pass this law that I assumed would do some good. Jury's still out whether this law is really going to do any good in Florida, in my opinion. So, you know, I don't want new business. You know, I hope that there's no more bullying victims anywhere. 
what I found out now after handling cases where the bully has been in preschool, elementary, middle, high school, and now I got my first university bullying case. Uh, I haven't done workplace yet, but I'm sure it's coming. And it's the same thing. It's a lack of supervision by the teacher. And the teachers have clearly said, because they are afraid of lawyers. They're afraid of parents lawyering up against a false accusation against the bully. They're afraid of teacher. Teachers are afraid of the administration not backing them. So they don't do anything. And that's why this Jeffrey Johnson Santa Fe Students Act was important because it forces the teacher to stand up and fight for the victim. And it gives them protections from lawsuits. So, you know, to me, bullying all starts with the preposition, the proposition, is the student that is the victim and or the bully being properly supervised in the school setting? If the answer is yes, bullying doesn't take place. If the answer is no, bullying will spread. And that's my final thought. It's all about proper supervision, starting at home and ending in the school. David, if our listeners want to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? Well, uh, they could, for any information, they could uh, Google David Torella. They can go to my website, which is um, uh, injurylaw.com. And uh, if they need information, I'll be happy to pass it along. But if they want to get involved, instead of calling a lawyer, you know, call their local prosecutor, call their local sheriff, ask, you know, who on which committee, state, local, and federal is uh, championing the uh, student rights. That's a more important phone call than a lawyer. By the time you need a lawyer, your loved one is already victimized. We need to stop the victimization. And so I would encourage them to not call the lawyer and to call someone, a politician, you know, someone, a law enforcement or someone with some ability to change or create a new law. And that, in my opinion, is what we ought to put our energy in. And then hopefully with new laws, we'll have funding, which is a whole other story for another day. Thank you very much for participating. And Bob, if uh, our listeners want more information on cyberbullying, they can find out more information at stopcyberbullying.org or bullypolice.org. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time and thank you for your interest. I really hope this has helped at least one individual somewhere across the country, if not the world. Thank you again. Thanks so much for being on the program. And uh, Craig, that about does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. A reminder to our listeners that they can find this week's and all of our Lawyer to Lawyer programs at thelegaltalknetwork.com. Yep. And we'd like to extend a very special thank you to our two guests, David Tyrella and Debbie Johnson, for being with us today. And uh, all of our Legal Talk Network shows are on iTunes as well in the podcast library. We'll be back next week to discuss another great legal topic. When you want legal, think lawyer to lawyer. See you then, Bob. See you then. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. 
Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.